Speaking the truth to the state capitol, this is Drive Time Lincoln with the commander, Jack Riggins, on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, here we go. Whatever Wednesday, May 18th, 2022, not 2422. We're not in Star Trek land yet. Even though we talked about UFOs yesterday a little bit, and my guess is on whatever Wednesday, maybe we'll talk about them a little more. Rick Stein Recognition Hotline is open, 402-479-1400. I am your host, Jack Riggins, and Johnny Cadillac is producing the show, as always. Day 24 of the Exploratory uh, Committee for Mayor. Um, one of the things we talked about today uh, with the committee was uh, value-based uh, leadership, and we talked law and order, which I think is interesting as we uh, had a fallen officer's uh, memorial today here in Lincoln for officers that died in the line of duty uh, during you know this whole week's celebration, National Police Week, and that's cool. That's cool. Peace Officers Memorial Day. Um, to remember, you know, I think uh, veterans in particular have a strong brotherhood and kinship with all first responders, even people in the ER, right? Anybody that's dealing with tragedy and emergencies um, tend to be cut from the same mold. Families deal with the same type of worries uh, for their loved ones in these professions. And so it's nice. um to see the police chief and the mayor out there honoring um, those local officers that have li- died in the line of duty, really protecting us all. So I've said it before, uh, in a constitutional democracy or our republic, without law and order, things spiral out of control very, very quickly. So I think always uh, great, and it's great to see the city out there doing the right thing for all those that have served. It is whatever Wednesday. I, of course, have a list of topics, but I would prefer that you call in and tell me what's on your mind, Lincoln, or use the Rick Sign Recognition text line, same number, 402-479-1400, and we will get to it. Uh, we already have a caller. I think it's a holdover from yesterday. Uh, Everyman Dan, welcome to Drive Time, Lincoln. Thank you, Randy. Thanks for having me uh, on your uh, show and taking my call. I appreciate that. Um, you bet. You yeah, bet. I was listening to you uh, yesterday about uh, uh, your your UFO um, hearings, and uh, well, they weren't mine; they were the U.S. government's. <laughs> sure. Okay. Um, I, that's right. And I, I think it is funny that uh, two years uh, after all of this information comes out, that we're having um, hearings, and we we're having them at the time that Afghanistan has fallen, and we've got uh, gas prices, the record gas prices. We've got um, the southern border about to collapse, and um, it's so we're going to have UFO <laughs> hearings. So be, because you're giggling, that. it sounds like what you're trying to tell me is <laughs> there's a high possibility you believe that it is a throw-off of the real issues. Well, I, I think it's um, I think it's, it probably serves more than one purpose. I think that's probably why they, they do stuff like that, and uh, it, it probably is to... Uh, to keep people off off uh, topics like uh, the the real alien invasion that's that's happening. I mean, in downtown Lincoln, they've got hotels full of Afghan refugees that they're trying to place in apartment buildings. 
uh, Lutheran Family Services, Catholic Social Services. They're trying to place uh, these refugees from Afghanistan in uh, apartment uh, housing here in town. Okay, okay, a uh, couple of things real quick. And, and we've got aliens. Hold on, we've hold got on. The UFO hearings. Okay, hold on, hold on. Let's take one at a time. Let's take one at a time. One of the things I found fascinating about the UFO hearing, I clearly said yesterday, which was almost all of this information was common knowledge to anybody that had an internet connection or watched History Channel over the last two years. So I I find it interesting that the government is that far behind on actually looking into it. Now, the timing, I think, given everything we know of politics of the last decade it it could be either or, right? It could be very, hey, we just got around to it, or it could be a throw-off. Difficult to discern. However, the one data point I would encourage people to look at is how much it wasn't covered by the national news media. Meaning, think about if we were in 1970, 1980, 1990, had the U.S. government had that hearing with that evidence of those videos, and that would dominate the news cycle forever. And yet, barely a blip, right? Now, I understood there was a primary yesterday and, and, and this replacement plan uh, the left is talking all about, um, you know, the misinformation czar. I mean, there's all kinds of things, but it was interesting it wasn't covered. Um, so... You know, be that as it may. To your point, yeah, and I to thought. Your point. Well, yeah. hold on. Yeah, to your point yeah, about yeah. aliens, okay. illegal aliens, I thought that was a good bridge. You should be on radio. Um, hey, I think the difficult decision in Lincoln, as well as nationally, is I think no doubt we want to help refugees and people that are in bad circumstances. The problem that people don't really understand in America as a whole. Because, folks, honestly, we don't travel that much. We think we do, but we don't. Is the world is full of people in very tragic circumstances, um, even though a lot of us think America's tragic circumstance. And so it's the balance between helping refugees and people, i.e., like Afghanistan folks, and then illegal immigrants. There's a giant difference between illegal immigration and refugees and or people that try to legally, so legal immigration. So when I look at it, I see that a lot of people that want to help kind of mass it all together, and that's dangerous. Well, um, I'm not sure how that, how it, I, I suppose it could be dangerous in some ways. I, I'm not sure what you mean, but um, I think that... Uh, well, what I mean, what I mean is, let me let me clarify. What I mean is, okay. is that we do have a responsibility at some level, especially in places where we, you know we've gone to war, um, to own up to people that have helped us. We're generally slow to do that legally. Then there's refugees created from some of that, and then there's refugees created from things that we've we have nothing to do with, and they're just looking for safety. Okay, that's one. Or two groups of people. Then there's people rushing in historic amounts right now, historic in in the greatest numbers from our southern border coming up here illegally, right? And we know the problems there. And 
having a policy that just basically doesn't filter and just gets them inside the wire, so to speak, right? And then whatever happens from there happens from there. That's not a good thing. You have to create infrastructure to filter all of that. And I don't think we have that right now is what I'm saying. Well, yeah, and then, then you think about the, uh, the, the the refugees, as they're called, from Afghanistan and how reports during that time with them just filling the plane with anybody that would come, that could get to the airport, whether they helped the U.S. or not, and no vetting, and they just uh, planefuls of just random people but with, with no vetting at all. Well, yeah, I mean, that was a terrible mismanage of military operations and evacuation. I mean, probably worst in history. So we don't even know who, I I mean, are we supposed to believe that they've been vetted with no records once they they land? Well, I would say say we shouldn't believe that because we can't vet people that just walk across the southern border correctly, so let alone... Uh, people coming from half a world away, you know, and in the end, Dan, I guess maybe what you're talking about, uh, what I'm talking about a little, and then the other avenue, which conservatives fear a lot, right, is that Democratic apparatuses, far left, kind of abuse that broken system uh, for political gain. And, you know, I think that in Lincoln, Nebraska, in particular, we have to be very careful with that right now. And, and um, I think that's true. And then uh, one last thing. I think it's super interesting that the best footage we have of so-called UFOs and unidentified flying objects of, of this nature just happened to occur in the middle of uh, massive Navy exercises. It's probably just a coincidence that the Navy has the greatest photos and footage of, uh, of uh, super high-tech, um, undescribable aerial phenomena. And um, and then we're supposed to believe it's all alien life. I, I think it's that's kind of interesting. Well, right? easy now, easy now. <laughs> it is interesting because most of it was off the coast of Southern California and off the coast of Virginia, if I have my facts right. Um, there are many well, other countries that have similar things, but this is the most convincing of UAPs, unidentified aerial uh-huh. phenomena. But no one, no one has said it's aliens. It's just true. technology that no one can explain right now. And but yes, I, I would. The most explainable technology, like the fastest plane we still have, is the SR seventy one. Isn't that supposed to be the fastest plane on record? That was uh, decommissioned in like sixty eight, but it's still supposedly the fastest plane that we know of. Is, is that? I mean, you have better well, yeah, I mean that we knew of, but um, yeah. clearly uh, the things that are on video do not look like a man-made aircraft that we're aware no, but of. A lot can change in the, in, in the decades. Since Correct. I mean, yes, it, all I could say to it is what you have is most of it is U.S. Navy footage or eyewitness testimony. So you have very, very, very credible witness accounts and TV cameras that have, you know, sure. they're they're very good cameras, and those have been vetted by experts, and so it's it's legitimate legitimate footage. Um, as to sure. what it is, you know, there's a, there's about four hypotheses I could come up with, right? That it's legitimate U.S. technology, and for whatever reason, uh, we're kind of showcasing it in this way, and some kind of um, 
international game. It's not U.S. technology, and we'd be worried as a national security threat. And if it wasn't our technology, it, it would more than likely be an intelligence collection vehicle of some type. Um, the, the other answer, right, could be that it's not of this earth. And then I guess the COA X is uh, all the above. I don't know. Uh, but it's interesting. And uh, yeah, I, I would say Occam's Razor is probably the, our own stuff that we're trying to let people know that, that we have. That's my guess. Well, that could be. I mean, if in fact it somewhat has a United States flag on it at this point in time in our country's <laughs> history, it'd be a good deterrence to uh, Russia and China. So, all right, Dan, yeah. I got to get to other callers. Thanks, Appre- appreciate you calling in. I'm a good one. Bye bye. All right, you bet. Uh, Every man, Dan, deep thinker, has been on the show. We'll probably have him back. You know, one of the things he's done a deep dive on is um, this uh, immigration and welcoming plan. I've read it. Um, I I don't have any initial huge thoughts. We kind of covered some of it right there. I'm a little concerned when the language just talks about residents and not citizens and things like that. But, I mean, that could just be minutiae in a government-produced document. Um, but we will certainly do a show on that. And then we, yeah, we talked about the UFOs a little bit there and it's interesting. I mean, you would have thought that hearing in that videotape, you know, what's it only been about 90 years since, uh, uh, was it Orson Welles, you know, did his radio spoof on war of the worlds and scared half the United States. So, <laughs> I you know could you imagine can you imagine if that type video went out on social media and all these platforms without any type of explanation and whole world might be caving in right now uh text lines firing up and yes it is whatever Wednesday a legitimate one uh Rickstein recognition hotline 402-479-1400 and the text line same number um without a doubt Interesting enough, uh, Dennis <laughs> Dennis is fired up as he should be with uh, over $4 a gallon. I filled up today, Dennis, as well. It was four nineteen where I was at, and it is just amazing how much gas is going up. And I, I don't know if every gas station has like the $75 limit, but it's pretty interesting to drop. 75 ducats on you know your tank um now you're saying uh you got e85 when the price was a little over three unfortunately i don't have reference on that right now because i don't have one of those vehicles um but i'm guessing that that price is high as well um but certainly four dollars a gallon i mean this this is one of those things that Everybody should notice, but to be honest, Lincoln, Lancaster County, America, people should really be more concerned with shortage of baby formula, and now places are not being able to make bread because there's not enough wheat, and we've talked about that, and some national pundits have talked about that coming for quite a while, which... um Ukraine, largest exporter of wheat. Russia, largest exporter of fertilizer. Wow. So gas is probably going to continue to go up. Baby formula is getting hard to get. 
And wheat, hard to get. Fertilizer for crops, important to everybody in the Midwest. Uh, That's not good. And I heard the people in Washington, the great people in Washington, talk about, oh, well, we're going to going to make deals with other countries to get this stuff um of course they're behind the curve (laughs) and all i have to say is are are we not capable in america of changing a little bit of industry if we need to feed our people i mean america america first like you have to take care of your citizenry first it's not really this novel concept and then I was like, why wouldn't we have that? Why would we rely on Russia for all of our, you know, not all, but fertilizer or wheat? Um, and it's probably profit-driven. Some At some point, companies changed over to something that they can make more profit, and maybe eventually they're going to have to look at uh, making sure that Fortress America stays Fortress America because the last thing we want is people not able to eat. And it's pretty sad fact, and I'm sure I'll say it for a while, that babies aren't able to eat. Oh, Kelly on the text side, you're right. Maybe we shouldn't be dependent on other countries. Go back to American-made, support USA. Yeah, I, I'm all for a global economy to a point, right? But you can't have a global economy that if it doesn't work or it breaks down, your country goes to crap. Especially not when you're a world leader like we are. We're totally capable of doing these things ourselves and creating jobs and taking care of our people first, then exporting excess. Whatever Wednesday, we'll keep on rolling. 1499 KLIN. You're getting the 411 from DTL with Commander Jack Riggins on 1499 KLIN. All right, true whatever Wednesday today. Nobody else is in the studio. It's just Johnny Cadillac and I. Johnny got a shout-out on the text line. Uh, wrestling fans starting to take over the KLIN text line. Johnny Cadillac, you're getting a following. I guess so. I'm all for it. <laughs> That's like understatement of the year, though. Any, any notoriety I get, I'll, I'll, I'll try to be humble about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so whatever Wednesday, Rick Stein recognition hotline on the second segment, uh, come back 402-479-1400. A lot of texts coming in, making some comments as we go. Uh, tomorrow I'm really excited. Actually, uh, Kimberly Goins from the boys and girls club of Lincoln and Lancaster County will be in first segment. Uh, we'll see what's going on, uh, with the uh, boys and girls club and the exciting things there from Kimberly Goins. So tune in for that. Um, I'll tell you what, you know, Lincoln, Nebraska in general, I talked about this on the governor's podcast, you know, Nebraska in general, we are helping people and that's good. Um, it's our first instinct. It's, it's the way we approach each other. Uh, we're pretty straightforward. About the only negative thing I can say is, is sometimes we're a little bit naive. Um, but I would say it's good. You know, that's my opinion. What's good is that we think the best in people. We generally communicate and talk truths and we offer to help and you know if if the trade-off is sometimes we're a little naive just because we're in the middle of the united states and you know we're kind of uh you know have a very good set of values that don't change much generation to generation um that's okay we can deal with that um so that'll be uh tomorrow thursday and believe it or not everybody now some of you are all in 
But some of you are going to be like, I don't want to listen. Richard Schmeling, longtime listener, longtime caller, everyday caller almost, is going to be in Tuesday. The entire show. The promises are getting resolved here on Drive Time Lincoln. 1,499.3-KLIN. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Drive Time Lincoln with the commander, Jack Riggins, on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, we're back. May, uh... Oh, my goodness, I forgot the date, folks. Uh, May 18th. <laughs> May 18th. Uh, whatever Wednesday. It feels like we haven't had a whatever Wednesday. I love whatever Wednesday where we get to take calls, we get to take texts, we get to basically put you on air for better or worse. And before I get to Richard, I got a couple of things, because uh, I think Richard has just a phenomenal thought and question. I can't wait to answer this or give it some thought. But first, on the text line... Uh, you know, we share a text line with L&K today and Jack and Friends. So don't forget, you know, L&K today, tomorrow, they've got Ticket Thursday, Morning Drive, Grow Lincoln and Greg Sharp on, and they're always a lot of fun. But we do have the same text, text line, so we get crossover sometime. And so, Sarah, if you're listening, you might not be listening, um, I'm going to go ahead and say it. You are texting the morning crew. You let them know who you are. You got something on here about Mambo Italians in anticipation of dinner at Casa Bovina tonight. But then you say, before I forget, this is Sarah from St. Louis Fox High School, class of 1996. And the song that should have been our senior class song is Come Down by Bush. Instead, the Hoosiers in my class voted for the best times by Sticks. Um, okay. Well, guess what? I hope the LNK crew in the morning gets that or they're listening right now because that one's going to get buried. Wrong show, but love that you text in uh, during drive time, Lincoln. And shout out to you and the Fox High class of 1996. Seriously. Uh, Another interesting deal uh, from the text line is uh, people are frustrated with why we don't produce our own oil and gas. Okay, don't have to go any further than that. That is almost criminal, right? Resources drive the world. We have resources. We should be mining and producing our own oil and gas. It's all pretty easy if you say America first, if you think about our government and our tax money and what we're wanting elected officials to do, which is to basically, you know, they have very few things that they have to do, but providing security is one of them, obviously constitutional rights, upholding those, but a part of that in the modern world, right, is resources. And so it's just sad. It's a national security issue, clearly. It is a national morale issue, clearly. It's a national business issue, clearly. Yes, we should be producing our own oil and gas. Absolutely. And 
why um, that becomes so political. You know, forget green, forget climate change. The fact is the world runs on oil and gas and is going to for a very, very long time. And we are investing in and trying to find new energy sources, new things. And in time, we will not be alive, but in time, those will hopefully take over for fossil fuels. I mean, that's just (laughs) smart business. But I guess we have to get conservatives fully in office to do that. Other than that, we'll just go with high gas prices, lack of baby formula, um, lack of wheat, stuff like that. Although I'll give the Biden administration credit. I just heard on the news break that, yes, they are uh, taking some actions um, from the presidential level um, to get more formula made and to use aircraft to get it out. Yeah, good job. That's what you're supposed to do. So pretty pretty smart there. The other thing, uh, if you missed it, um, Scott wants to remind everybody, and probably because I'm a golfer, Gary Player was in town. Gary Player, model of fitness, very old golfer now out of South Africa, but a champion of fitness and um, staying healthy. He was up at UNMC talking about um, support for <clears throat> pancreatic cancer and declaring a war uh, with UNMC officials um, to get it figured out. Yeah, cancer, man, all forms of cancer, it is just something we cannot figure out. Science just can't figure it out yet, but um, throwing a lot of experts at it and, and money, and it's certainly the treatments that have already been developed over you know, a long period of time have saved a lot of lives. But, um, yeah, Gary Player is a character, folks. If you're not a golfer, he's well worth uh, looking up or a follower, just to, the way he carries himself and talks about golf or life or fitness um, is nothing less than motivating. All right, let's go to Richard on line one. Richard, welcome to Drive Time Lincoln. Thank you, Commander. Well, it's a whatever Wednesday, and I've got a, a new topic for you. Uh, President Biden got in trouble with the press because he made a sort of an off-the-cuff remark that uh, Vladimir Putin shouldn't be in office, that we ought to—he didn't say we ought to go and take him out, but there was at least that implication. And uh, I suspect we have some SEAL teams and maybe some Army Ranger teams that could, in fact, do that. But— I think this presents a moral issue. Do we go and assassinate the president of a country that we're opposed to? Now, I'm going to go back to World War II and recall a historic incident where we broke the Japanese naval code, and we knew that Japanese Admiral Yamamoto was going to fly from point A to point B on a certain day at a certain time. We sent out P-38 fighter planes, and we shot down Yamamoto's plane, and we killed the admiral, taking away a very, very good strategist that uh, was helping to lead the enemy. Should we, as a nation, ever resort to this sort of thing to take out the leader of a country that's opposed to us? Uh, Great question. Great question. I'm going to address it. Thanks for the call, Richard. All right, a couple of things there. Richard's right. Um, assassination or, or targeting and killing a leader of a foreign country 
um, is absolutely uh, a moral, ethical issue on one hand. It's also um, in international law, which Richard would know a lot about, in Geneva Convention, a, um, you know, there, <laughs> there is a, there is a, no, I don't want to say status, there is a precedent there that, <clears throat> you know, we as the United States uh, should uphold. Um, and so let's come back to that one. Where Yamamoto differs, because everything Richard said is historical fact, is Yamamoto uh, was killed in a wartime, declared war, so he was an active combatant, if that makes sense. So, because we were at war with the Japanese Empire, sanctioned by um, Congress and everybody... Yamamoto becomes an enemy combatant, um, and that is a big difference, although the action of breaking the code and essentially hunting somebody down um, may not be different itself as the techniques, tactics, procedures to do that, the operation, as we would call it in the military, um, the fact that you're in wartime, uh, essentially every enemy combatant is fair game. Now, take that one off the table, and we're back to a Putin or a Kim Jong-un or ill or whichever one is in charge now. Um, I actually worked the South Korean or the North Korean problem for quite a while on their leadership regime. And so what I would say is that it's a little bit, Richard, naive while we have capability um, to target individuals, both with units you discussed, special operations forces, um, and obviously advanced weaponry, it's not as easy as people think. Uh, number one, let's go to the Osama bin Laden kind of chase over about a decade. So... Very difficult to find one man, okay, just in general. And I know that seems weird probably to people, but it's difficult. When they are a head of state, right, they have their own security apparatuses, much like our Secret Service and our president, and how they travel, where they travel, all the operations that go into that to spoof potential um enemies you know uh from how they do their motorcades to which helicopters they may be on to where they go and visit a lot of that is 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 exactly that it's an operation right so somebody like putin would be a very very hard target even if we did want to do that um so it's not as easy as we think it is. And, of course, if you drop a big bomb, you have collateral damage, the entire world knows, and it doesn't go over very well. Now, back to the moral, ethical Geneva Convention issue. I would say that, um, and it's very difficult after the fact, right, but a lot of the arguments in the military strategic plan circles and contingencies would be to talk about, well, if we knew Adolf Hitler was going to be Adolf Hitler beforehand, 
would some nation go ahead and, and remove him from power, you know, even if it means uh, killing him? Well, that's kind of how these things always play out. And in the end of the day, within the current structure of national interest, uh, both on the Russian side, the Chinese side, the American side, so the big power players, um, there's usually not a risk-reward upside to the what-if, if a nation like us was um, destined on doing something like that. Even though we might have the capability, even though we could get it done, it's the assessments usually, of course I'm not, you know, I'm not getting the presidential update brief every day and all the intelligence, but it's the what comes next that has to be well thought out and frankly, well predicted or well designed. Okay, so after the action, what's next for Russia? Who's the next group of leaders? And those type of mechanisms is where all the hard work has to go up front to set it up. So that the action itself, which, you know, doesn't take very long eventually, is successful for the greater good, say, of Western interests, for the world. And frankly, it just doesn't happen very much. And if you're a student of history, you do know that America played with that type of mechanism a lot in the 50s and 60s in a lot smaller countries. And I think history will say... Ultimately, we weren't very successful, even in very small countries. So imagine a country with nuclear weapons, lots of people, lots of manpower. Um, and so a lot of times you have to wait these things out. I think if there was ever a justification worldly, it would be the North Korean regime. And it would, uh, it would you know, seriously, just look at look at it. There could be a justification there, but even with that, um, the world has generally just kind of let it fizzle out. Um, I don't know what that red line is, is uh, to a degree of when we would think that would be reasonable. But um, when I hear pundits in D.C. and people talking about it, um, one thing we and my career was the same way. One thing we have failed to do, do as a country since World War II is think through the what next. We didn't do it in Korea. We didn't do it in Vietnam. We didn't do it in the global war on terrorism. And so we haven't shown as a country the ability to predict, negotiate, design the what's next after these military engagements. And um, we need to get better at that. So great question, though. Brian, let's talk election integrity. Oh, certainly. Uh, first, I wouldn't want to state it as fact since I didn't remember where I heard it exactly, but the Allies didn't want to, they kind of forbade targeting Hitler because he was doing such a bad job towards the end of the war, like uh, to not drop a bomb on him. I'm sorry I got a bit of a cold today, but I'll try my best. I've been wanting to call in since you had Bob Bohr on the show, and uh, I wanted to ask you a couple of things about what you believed. Uh, one was, you said that the left was having a kick to have people call in and say GPS wasn't that accurate, but I know the week before I talked with you, and uh, you admitted that it was uh, cell phone pinging that uh, 2,000 mules used to track people, but then you went on to say that uh, GPS could target someone in a closet 
Of course, uh, you know, cell phone pinging can't do that or see if someone's putting a ballot in a drop box. But anyway, uh, well, that's that. So there's a lot of different so there's a lot of different levels to that. In fact, right, well, a self a cell phone ping is is one avenue, and then there's dedicated GPS tracking. Um, right. So it, just one question. Go ahead. Did two thousand mules use GPS tracking or cell phone to- uh, tower tra- triangulation to track people? Which was it? What they are saying is they used GPS tracking of cell phone data. That's, That's what 2000 Mules is saying. That's not a thing. Well, to your point, uh, because you have done your research probably, and I have lived it and done my research, is when we say GPS tracking, we are usually talking about multiple towers, triangulation. Okay. GPS stands for Global Positioning Satellites. It doesn't stand for cell phone towers. Correct. But where do you think the cell phone towers with regard to triangulation come from? From satellite uh, systems that are GPS themselves? No, they come from the cell phone moving around town. You know, GPS you can use on your phone, but the the company doesn't have any record of that. That's for you and your phone. Anyway, a second question. So you're basically saying it's not accurate enough and you don't believe 2,000 mules? Uh, Cell phone tower uh, triangulation cannot tell if someone is in a closet or a drop box. And also, the left wasn't having a push to have me call in. I heard you talking about it and looked it up. And also, since then, I learned that all the states involved had some way for people to drop in other people's ballots. So it's not sure they have a record of anyone breaking the law. Now, the second question... Well, I, I think history is going to prove you different on that one, but I respect your opinion. Okay, it was about CrowdStrike. Uh, Bob Edmund, when he was on, said that uh, election system software of Omaha, which uh, counts our ballots, does not use CrowdStrike, whereas the Nebraska Voter Verification Project and I guess Bob Bohr said that they do use CrowdStrike. So which is it? Do they use CrowdStrike or don't they use CrowdStrike? That would be a good question for ES&S. Um, I believe that the data I've looked at from both parties, including people outside of Bob Evnen, people outside of Bob Bohr doing election integrity, is CrowdStrike is a third-party software that does cloud security and that ES&S has user services talking about cloud security. Does that mean that CrowdStrike's in their machines? No. So technically, both parties are right based on my understanding. To me, it's semantics. That's semantics. But actually, they have uh, no relationship with CrowdStrike. All right, I've got to let you go because I've got to get to a break. Call back okay. if you want to keep it going. Thank you. Sure. Bye. All right. Fourteen hundred ninety nine three KLIN. All right. That was the show. Kimberly Goins on tomorrow. Boys and Girls Club, Lincoln and Lancaster County, and we'll just continue with an election integrity. Go see Two Thousand Mules if you haven't seen it. Got a lot to say about it, especially since uh, Brian is not a believer, and that's okay. Fourteen hundred ninety nine three KLIN.